I want to start off with some really great jokes to help you start off your year this year. You guys ready for this? They're really good. Going to bed early, not leaving the house, and not going to a party. My childhood punishments have become my adult goals. It's good, isn't it? My bathing suit said, go to the gym. My sweatpants said, no, girl, you're good. (laughs) A pastor had dinner at a couple's house from church. When the pastor left, the wife said, I think he stole our spoon. It bothered her for a whole year. A year later, they invited the pastor back over. Unable to resist, the wife asked, did you steal our spoon last time you were here? The pastor said, no, I put it in your Bible. Oh, ouch, that hurts. Not us, though, right? That would never happen because you'd never invite me over for dinner. I mean, just saying. No, it's joking. Uh, turn your Bibles, Jeremiah 2. That's what we're going to be looking at, Jeremiah 2. It'll be up here on the screen in a little bit, but um, I'm going to go ahead and get the message started. Today, we're going to be talking about a desire for God alone to have a desire for the Lord alone, to put all our trust and our hope in Jesus. And uh, we're talking this entire year, we're setting it aside as a restoration project for the Lord to restore us back to the way that he designed us and the different things that he says about us that we're restoring, that the Lord's restoring us. We just went through a year that we need restoration. And so uh, this entire year, we are, we are coming back to restoring the body of Christ, back to what the Lord says about it, who God has called us to be. In any restoration project, it gets messy. You go into a house and you start tearing down walls, you start you know, banging on plaster to get back to the foundation of the house, or the two by fours, and it gets really messy. I remember working construction, which I did for the first nine years of my life. No, that would be really weird, a baby construction worker, <laughs> little hearted. Little hammer. <laughs> Sorry. It wasn't the first nine years of my life. I need to correct that. <laughs> of my working life. There we go. And <laughs> that's too hard to get out of my head. The baby. <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah. I was working really hard in construction. And I go into a house And when you're doing a restoration project, it gets really, really dirty. The very beginning of a restoration project is just a mess because you got to take everything back down to its original design. So you got old plastering, you got old paint, and you're, you know, tearing all that stuff down. So I'd go in there wearing clothes I knew I was just going to destroy, your shoes, everything, because it's such a disaster. It's a mess. And so when I bought my very first house, uh, Amy and I, we had the... Uh, big plans for the house, and the very first thing we're going to do is we're going to move the kitchen from one side of the room to the other side of the room, so we did that, and then we remodeled the bathroom, and, and during that time, it was just a disaster. A house is a disaster. We're doing dishes in the bathtub. Has anybody ever been there before where you're like doing dishes and nobody else? This is my story, Okay. <laughs> And then we were brushing our teeth in the kitchen sink because the bathroom's all a disaster. And, 
You know, it's just a mess. And then like about two or three months after that, you're still finding dust because you made a big mess in your house and you're still finding dust all over the place. Restoration is messy. And when God restores us, it, it, sometimes we have to open up some mess. We got to open up some areas in our life that maybe we boarded off some different rooms that we just closed off and said, okay, like I'm good to trust you in these areas, God, but this area here, I don't want to like move forward in, or I'm really scared about that. I'm really comfortable in that area. Restoration is messy. And so you see that in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is called to be a prophet. He he's, uh, starts off as a priest, and then he becomes a prophet because he follows through with God's call on his life. How many of you know, like when God calls you into something, sometimes it's really uncomfortable. And so that's Jeremiah's story. He starts off as a priest. Everybody loved priests. They were, you know, really looked at as like somebody had all the answers and really respected in town. And then God calls him to be a prophet and everybody dislikes the prophet. And so he's a prophet for 42 to 45 years. It's undecided that he prophesies to the town they need to return to God, that God wants to restore him to themselves, to himself. And so we're going to pick it up in Jeremiah 2. And I just kind of want to walk through the way that the Lord leads us through the process of restoration in our lives a lot of times. And all these have been really true in my own life, and so I'll share a little bit of uh, what it looked like for me personally, but... Um, there's just some different ways that the Lord loves to restore us. And I think there's about three ways that we can look at from the very beginning portion of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 2, I'm going to read that. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. So Jeremiah hears from God in the very beginning of this, Jeremiah 1, which we talked about last week. Jeremiah 1 talks about how the Lord would reveal things to Jeremiah, and then God would check in with them. So what, so what were you seeing, Jeremiah? What did you hear me say? And then the Lord would say, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like when we hear from God, God will um, confirm that. You know, he'll confirm that. Not only like with other people when you share those things, but he'll also confirm it with himself. And so Jeremiah was hearing from God, and the Lord had to kind of teach Jeremiah, yeah, that's how you hear from me. You're hearing right. You're right. It's, I'm talking to you. And so Jeremiah 2 starts off with the word of the Lord came to me. So he's like saying, yeah, you know, all those things that I was hearing from God, so now God's word is coming to me. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I want you guys to listen to this. This is so powerful and so amazing. I remember the devotion of your youth. God remembers the devotion of their youth. How as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through the land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, meaning Israel was set apart. You were my special people that I called, I remember your devotion. I remember the first fruits of its harvest and all who devoured her were held guilty and disaster overtook them, declares the Lord. I love what the message version says about that very first part. It says, I remember the love of us as newlyweds. <laughs> I remember your love for me when, when we first got married, when we first fell in love. So one thing that God does when he's inviting us into restoration is he reminds us of his faithfulness. 
as we were just singing that last song, you are good. You are good. You're never going to let me go. You're never going to let me down. He reminds us of his faithfulness, and that's why we can sing a word, those words, you are good, you are good, oh. <laughs> that's why we can put a song together like that, and it's like, wow, that really speaks to my heart, because the Lord reminds us of his faithfulness to us. So here he comes to Israel and says, I remember our first love. I remember how you used to trust me, how you put, you know, your, um, your heart was for me. I remember us as newlyweds. It was beautiful. And so God reminds us when he's inviting us into a restoration where he's wanting to do something in our hearts, where he's wanting us to surrender a new piece of our hearts over to him, where he's wanting to kind of make us uncomfortable again, he reminds us, remember, I'm faithful. I'm really faithful to you. He'll remind us. Sometimes in my own personal life, the Lord will remind me by highlighting a story or an area of my life where he's been really faithful. And so one of the first ones that I could think of was when when you have kids. So I remember like when Ariel was a little baby and my dad was holding her in his arms and we dedicated Ariel to God and we did the same exact thing with Ethan when they were babies, and we said, okay, thank you so much, God, that you blessed us with these children, but ultimately, these are your kids. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, So, like, (laughs) these these are your kids. It was a joke. Don't hold on. Don't let that be the last thing you remember of church today. So, (laughs) but God's plans for their life over my plans. God's direction over their life over my direction. God's control over their life over my control over their life. And so we had to like come to an agreement with the Lord. Thank you for blessing us with these kids. But it's, they're ultimately yours, Jesus. And so there's times where like when Ariel's growing up and Ethan's growing up, I wanted to take back the reins of control. And I had to release them over to God. But the way that the Lord would do that is like, Neil, remember I've been faithful this whole time to them. Remember how faithful I've been to your kids? Have they ever went without anything? God reminds us of his faithfulness when he's wanting to invite us into something. He reminds us. Let's keep reading. It's uh, Jeremiah 2, 4 through 8. So he reminds us and then he shows us. Hear the word of the Lord, house of Jacob, all you clans of the house of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. How does God really feel? (laughs) Followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness? Through a land of deserts and ravines, a land of drought and utter darkness, a land where there's No one travels and no one lives. But I brought you into a fertile land to eat in its fruits and rich produce. But you came and defiled my land and made an inheritance detestable. The priests did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who deal with the law did not know me. The leaders rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal following worthless idols. So God reminds them 
through Jeremiah, I am a faithful God. Remember me, I brought you out of Egypt. I took care of all of your needs. I brought you manna in the desert. I gave you water from a rock. I've like taken care of you this entire time. And all of your inheritance, all of your family has been taken care of from me, from God, right? And then he goes, so why in the world are you like chasing down these worthless idols? Where did they come into play? So he starts to show them, here's something that I really want to work on. Remember, I'm your God. We, we used to have this beautiful relationship and, and this newlywed love. And then you started adding other gods into this. Jeremiah's not mad at them. God's not like angry with them because he's just an angry God. He's saying, like, I want you back to myself. So he's showing them, he's pointing out some different things in their life that, that you guys walked away. Over the next five chapters in Jeremiah, if you read it, which I invite you to, he just keeps pointing out all these things that he's inviting them into changing. He's not like pointing out all the things you're doing wrong. He's pointing into the things that he wants them to change. Change away from that. Move away from it. He's showing them. God's people decided to add their gods, their God to God's. God's people decided to add their God to God's. Little g. These are God's people. They're set apart for him. And then they decided to add God into a mix of God's. God won't be added to God's. God doesn't play nice on a team of gods. He isn't part of a portion of gods and he's not part of a he's not a piece of other gods. God is God alone. He is the king. He rules and reigns. He has all power. He he knows all things. He doesn't need to play on a team of other gods. He is God solo. There's no other gods that are in competition with God. God wins. The Bible says that the train of his robe fills the temple. So when God is on the throne... There's no room for other gods. There's not little chairs set aside God, and they've got God in the center, and then there's a bunch of little gods around them. No, the train of his rope. Have you guys ever been to a wedding, and you've seen the, the train of uh, the, what is that? The wedding dress, yeah. <laughs> say yes to the dress. So <laughs> some ladies say, say yes to a big, gigantic train, right? So... When the Bible talks about the train of his robe fills the temple, meaning like there's no space for any other gods. It's just God alone. It's just him. Solo. God. In my humble opinion, Michael Jordan is the best basketball player to ever play the game. Can I get an amen? Good. If you grew up in the 90s and maybe the early 2000s, you might be with me. So, Michael Jordan is the best basketball player. He played against the very best competition. He, his defense was amazing 
on top of scoring, he got like Defender of the Year, I think, three times. He's got six rings. He was in Space Jam. Come on. He's the best. He took on the universe in Space Jam. Best basketball player to ever play the game. You can, you know, debate this all you want, whatever. That's fine. But comparing Michael to Neil McReynolds, which is me, if you didn't know, (laughs) is a lot like comparing God, the creator of all things, to other gods. Like, Neil McReynolds goes to the downtown Y. I shoot about 20%. (laughs) I can almost dunk this close if I could just lose 10 more pounds. My defense is horrendous. (laughs) But that's the way it is, and that's what Israel had become, is like they they love God, that all their needs were taken care of from the Lord, and the Lord loved them so much, and then they start adding these other things into the mix, and he put God in this melting pot, and then you lose track of like, who's taking care of me, who's been faithful to me? And so God's calling them back, and he's showing them like, you guys have walked away, Man, I want you for myself, but you're walking away. There's no one else that compares to me. So he shows us, he reminds us, he he shows us that he is God. He he reminds us that he is God, and then he shows us some areas. I want to restore this in you. And here's where it gets messy. I just want to say this is where it gets really messy because some of us have been believing lies that we've heard for the last 30 years about ourselves. And so it gets messy sometimes because it's like something that we've just agreed with. And the Lord's saying, no, I want to restore this in you. He reminds us that he's faithful and he says, man, will you just turn back to me in this? Stop believing that about this. Stop burning incense to this God and that God. The list is big right now, I just want to say. Reminds us, shows us, and the last thing, Jeremiah 4, 1 through 2, invites us. I love this. If you, Israel, will return, then return to me. I just love that. Like, I think that's worth putting on a coffee mug. If you, Israel, will return, then return to me. Because a lot of times when we think of, like, returning to something, we're thinking of, like, uh, something, you know, that is, God wasn't even a part of it. And so God's inviting them, like, return to me. If you're going to return, then return to me, declares the Lord. If you put your detestable idols out of my sight and no longer go astray, And if in a truthful, just, and righteous way you swear, as surely as the Lord lives, then the nations will invoke blessing by him, and in him they will boast. So God says, look, remember our first love. Remember what we were like. Remember that trust that we had, that that I was in control of your lives, and I was a part of that. But you turned away. But then he says, if you will return, then return to me, please. 
And then remember that garbage day is on Wednesday. So take all those idols out of your house and put it on the street curb so that the garbage can come pick them up because I don't want to see them. Because if you're going to return, then return to me. Get rid of everything else. I want it all. I don't want a piece of your heart. I want the whole thing. And that's how God works into the restoration project. That's how he restores us. He reminds us of the amazing part of his li- our lives that he's been, how faithful he's been. And then he starts to show us some different areas that he wants to work on. And then he invites us to return to him in those areas. One thing that I think is probably one of the most fearful things of like going, okay, I'm going to open up this door that maybe I've closed off since childhood. Okay? I think one of the most fearful things in that scenario is you're going to feel alone. I think that's one of the main reasons like we just board stuff up and we just like, okay, that was a part of my life. I don't ever want to go there again. And the Lord wants to restore that area. It's not too big for him to restore. It's not too big. But I think the reason it feels fearful is because we might be alone in that project. But I just want to say something that criticism is from afar. What God does is he puts on the tool belt, he puts on the hard hat, He gets out his tape measure. He gets out the sledgehammer and starts to go to work. The Lord won't like leave us to work on an area that he's showing us and he's inviting us in that he wants to restore. He'll actually jump in there. Remember, Jesus came from heaven to earth to be a part of this restoration. Criticism, just criticism, that's from a distance. You can shut your ear to that. You can close your ears to that because that's not the Lord. The Lord doesn't point out things that he wants to be critical about us. He's not like putting his finger on something that he just wants to criticize just to criticize. Any area that the Lord shows us, he wants to be a part of the restoration. Does that make sense? So I just believe there's some areas in our lives, like for all of us, it's going to get messy. And I invite you into that this year. To come back to your first love. If you've strayed away, just come back to him today. Come back to that newlywed love that you had. Maybe open up, like, God, where are you reminding me of how you've been faithful? What's something that you've been reminding me of? He's going to remind us. He's going to show us. Then he invites us. Our response is yes. We get to just say yes. Okay, God, that's what you want to do. Then do it. For some of us in the room, I think uh, this is kind of, it may feel a little lofty. But I just want to like kind of, I want to end with uh, some, some cool stuff that City Kids has been doing. So they've been praying for you guys every single week. And uh, they wrote down their prayers. Christina, let me just shout out for Christina. Um, so she's been asking the kids, do you guys see a picture? Are you seeing, uh, have you heard a word? Like, is God inviting you into anything? Like teaching them. Could you imagine knowing that the Lord loves you and that he wants to speak to you at the age of five? 
how different life could be, right? And so this is what we're teaching our kids. God loves you. He wants to teach you. He wants to talk to you. He loves you. He loves your relationship with them. And so she asked the kids, is there anything that you feel like the Lord has like put on your heart or anything that, a picture? And so they wrote down the different things that they feel like the, the Lord has for us today. And so I just want to share these with you. And if they hit home with you, I'm going to invite you to go ahead and stand up at the end of this, okay? And then we are going to, I'm going to completely equip you to be the church, which is you can just go ahead and pray for the person that's standing up. If all of you are standing up, then God will just pray for us all. (laughs) So if any of these things, you don't have to stand up. I'm just going to give you an opportunity at the end of this to stand up. And then uh, we'll pray. So if any of you have been feeling dizzy, been a lot of dizziness, maybe you've uh, vertigo, any of that type of stuff. I just really feel like the Lord just wants to heal that today. And the other part of this is God wants to remind you that he sees you. He knows you. He loves you. He's faithful. So dizziness, if any of you have had a leg problem lately, if any of you have had like knees, legs, any of that stuff, headaches, You've been dealing with a lot of headaches. I know we've had like changes in the weather that really, you know, plays a part in that. But if you've been dealing with headaches, like, man, I would like not like to take 18 aspirins a day. Maybe we can pray for you today. Wouldn't that be cool to not have headaches? Any of you have teeth problems? Like your gums, your teeth, cavities, any of that type of stuff? All right. Corona. Has anybody dealt with the coronavirus? Anybody would like healing from that? You online, if you're at home, thank you so much if you have uh, corona and you decided to stay home today. Uh, Flus, any flu problems, anything like that? Anything going on that you've been dealing with? Flu symptoms or something, blood loss, or you've lost, lost blood internally, whatever that may mean for you, you've had some blood loss. I want to pray for you. The Lord knows you. Infertility. Been wanting to have babies, but it just hasn't seen the work out. The Lord, the Lord sees you, and uh, he loves you. He wants to heal your womb. So I just invite you, if any of those apply to you, would you stand up? All right, church, can you be the church? And, man, I hate corona protocol stuff. Um, Can you just get near somebody, maybe? Or if you're sitting right next to them, just go ahead and just, like, reach your hand out. Yeah, beautiful. Something like that. Yeah. Would you guys just pray with me? Restore. Restore, God. Restore. Restore. We just pray for healing for all these things, for for any of these symptoms, Lord, that um, come from a broken world. 
we pray for, <laughs> I just invite you, church, just pray for this. Your kingdom come. Would you just repeat after me? Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. Just store God. Let's pray for healing right now in Jesus' name. For each one of these needs, Lord, any of these, these hearts, Lord, that just need healing this morning, Lord, we just pray, we just surrender them to you. identities right now. We choose to just open that up to you. invite you to continue standing, stand up, or just close out with a song. It's a great opportunity to receive communion. Remember what Jesus did for us. If you didn't get a cup or anything like that, they're at the back, uh, right by the, the doors back there. Just go ahead and grab one of those and just receive communion. Let's just sing there, our God who is so good and faithful to us.